Good morning, everyone. I'm excited to be here with you all. This is, this is fun. I've been looking forward to this throughout the week. And I was absent from church last week. My family had the opportunity to go on uh, a brief family vacation up in Northern California. We got to visit in Chico, California. And uh, we were traveling with two kids, ages two and four. And uh, it's about an eight-hour drive. It took us 11 and there's some tense moments along the way, but overall it went pretty well. We thought we're driving back. We're like, we could, we could do this again. Like, it wasn't that bad. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. And uh, part of our vacation revolved around spending time with another church in our network. We're part of the 17-6 network, which is a collection of churches in, uh, in our country that are striving towards the same mission. And one of these churches is called Chico Community Church. And so we spent time with uh, the pastors there and some of the families that, that are at a similar life stage as us. And I got to, so last Sunday I got to attend their church service. Uh, here's a photo of it. It was exciting to be a part of this because uh, our church sent a team up there this time last year. Uh, and we got to help out with, with some, a lot of the grounds and laying some foundations and doing some work to kind of help them uh, uh, restore this beautiful building. It was beautiful now. It's been in progress for a while, but it was so encouraging to, to sit in there. I just kind of sat in the congregation as just like a normal church attender guy. And uh, just seeing what God was doing there was, was such an encouragement to me because God is growing the church in, in numbers and also the depth of, of character of people that were there. And uh, just seeing the team pull, pull off Sunday mornings was was really neat. So I was glad to go there. And, and going on vacation in general is something that kind of breaks up my routine. And I, I kind of get out of my normal schedule. And, and in fact, a lot of my daily routines just go out the window. <laughs> I've been trying to get into running lately. And so I've, I've had a good habit of that. But I didn't do any running in Chico. Uh, my my no, no daily Bible reading just got, you know, you know tossed out. And I, all my normal stuff that I do, it was hard to keep up while I was on vacation. And I don't know if you feel that way, if you've done any trips this summer. Some of my routines are a real help, and I think some of my routines probably need some revision, and you get the ch- chance to kind of face that when, you get, when it gets broken up. But I think all of us have some routines, we have some habits, uh, and some of those things, if they're not evaluated, have the potential to rob meaning from what you're doing in life. And so there's some things that you just do over and over again, and you can't even remember why you do them in the first place. You know, one, one of those for me is uh, I had this habit of every time I would drive home, I'd turn onto our street, and then I'd pop off my seatbelt. And uh, I don't know why. I didn't even know I was doing this, but I was just excited to get home, I guess. I just, as soon as the door opens, I'm out. <laughs> so I, I had this habit, and I didn't realize I had this habit until we got a newer car. And every time I'd, I'd pull onto the street, I'd pop off the seatbelt and go, ding, ding, ding. And I was like, oh, that's, that's annoying and frustrating. And I was like, I don't care. I'm still, this is my habit, so I'm going to do it. And then I would do it, and man, I was starting feeling pushed around by my car. Like, wh- why are you telling me what to do? I, my seatbelt. And so finally, I just conceded. I was like, okay, you win, seatbelt, noisy thing. <laughs> and so I changed my habit, the habit I didn't even know I had. And so we have these habits and routines, and, and sometimes your habit is such that you're in a situation, and uh, maybe you're in a certain group of people, or you go to a certain place, and you just kind of do the same thing you always do. Or you say the same thing you always do. It's kind of like a pre-programmed thing, like, like a pull-string doll. I don't know if anybody has this toy. Uh, we got this toy last year. This, is, this was a, a lot of enthusiasm in my house when we got this. This is Woody. Uh, does anybody know any of the pre-programmed things he says? 
They're just making my boots. I love that one. That's what they said in first service, too. I don't know why that's the most memorable. There's a snake in my boots. And uh, so this is a, a, a thing where you pull the string, and there's these pre-programmed responses. And sometimes we do that. We'll be in a situation, and I don't know why. You just, you just go there, and you just say the same thing you always say, or you just have these responses. And so we have these habits. Other things that we do over and over again, they can become a habit, but they get stale and old Real quick, one example of that would be uh, driving on the freeways around here in traffic. If you have to commute and you're in traffic like this, you know, if you don't step back and think, how can I make the most of this situation? This is a pretty bleak situation to be in. Uh, and so, actually, there's an article that was put out by Reader's Digest that said, um, here it says, successful people do these 12 things in order to, uh, in their commute. Can commuting be good for you? <laughs> I don't know about that. But there are, there's these things because there's obviously this desire that we have. I, you know, I, I want success. I want to be successful. I don't want to waste my time. I want to make the most. If I'm going to be on the road that time, I want to know how to make the most of it. And so this would be an appealing article to read. If you're a Christ follower, then you have another habit. It's the habit of coming to church on Sunday mornings. And this is actually a very good habit. This is a good thing. But if we don't think about how to make the most of it, like, you know, if you're in traffic, how to make the most of it. You don't think about how to make the most of coming to church, then you may lose sight of the value in it or, or what the purpose is even for it. Or, or maybe you just get in a situation and you just, just kind of, you know, you get into a mode where you just kind of do the same thing or you just say the same thing over and over again, like that pull-string doll. In fact, if you do anything for three weeks in a row, it can become a tradition. So for me, if I, if I came in here and I sit in this chair... And the first time, I just got to find a chair. I'm looking. The second week, I'm like, oh, that chair was pretty good. I'll sit there again. The third week, if I sit in that chair again, it's sealed. I'm, I'm, that's my spot. And so I try to break that up and try to change things. But the thing with traditions is that they can become, it can become stale or, or they can become lifeless and hollow. And so in this new series, we're talking about Sundays. And it's not, I'm not just trying to tell you what day of the week it is. You already know that because you came here. But this is the name of our series. And in fact, the program that you received and these images here, it, it kind of represents four core elements that are involved in a Sunday morning service. And uh, there, there's singing, there's uh, the Bible or, or preaching the word, there's the offering, and then there's serving. And if attending church hasn't been much of a habit for you, and this maybe it's sort of a new thing for you, you didn't go to church growing up, then this series will show you why we do what we do here at Orange Crest Community Church. Or, or maybe if you're just, uh, you know, you're in the office, you're at the water cooler, and you have a, a co-worker who's like, why do you go to church on Sundays anyway? Well, you'll have the answer right after this message. And so we're starting, what we're going to do is we're going to take a step back, and we're going to look at kind of the big picture uh, of what God has in mind. Uh, we're, we're trying to get his viewpoint on, on what Sunday morning services are all about. And in particular, the, after that, we're going to dive in particular on the singing aspect of Sunday mornings. And before we go any further, I'd love to just take a moment to pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning. So would you pray with me? Father God, Sunday is a very significant time of the week for us. And, and so right now we're just setting aside time to recognize your place in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for this incredible gift uh, that we have to meet together. Uh, would you give me help to communicate truth? Also, I need your help in just the way that I communicate. I want to honor you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand how life works from your perspective and, and what Sundays are all about from your angle on things. And so would you give us uh, the ability to understand complex things and the heart to follow your commands quickly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Sunday morning, one big idea that this whole series hangs on 
is this. Sundays remind us that our entire life belongs to God. And so Sunday, I'm going to explain this. Sunday is known as the first day of the week. If you look at a calendar, you know, Sunday's on the left-hand column. You know, you can maybe get a calendar where they have it lined up where Monday is the first day and that way you can kind of clump the weekend together for planning and whatnot. But, but t- traditionally and typically in most situations, Sunday is the first day of the week on the calendar. It's been that way since they created the calendar and it's significant. And in fact, uh, here at OCC, we give the first part of the first day of the week to serving and worshiping God together. That was actually one of the norms when church got started, when, when Jesus commissioned the, the 12 apostles to, to, to launch out and build local churches and, and expand Christianity, there were was, there was some things that, there was some freedom in the churches that could be formed and, and just kind of the styles and things like that. But there were some norms, there were some specific things that each church would conform to. And this is one of them, that they would meet on the first day of the week. And one of the impacts of this is that giving the first part of the first day of the week is a way that we, it reminds Christ followers that every other day of the week belongs to God as well. And so every seven days rolls around and we come back here and, and you come face to face with this group of people that are, are worshiping the Lord. And, and otherwise, if that didn't happen, the weeks could roll on, you know, a week could go by, two weeks could go by, three weeks could go by, and you don't, you don't, if you don't meet like this, without knowing it, you could just lose sight of the fact of, of, of my life belongs to God. It gets, can get self-focused. And so, the Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, uh, quite a few letters in the New Testament of the Bible, he gives this giant statement about uh, describing worship and, and what Christ followers are supposed to do. So take a look at Romans 12, verse 1. This is a real big foundational statement. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, this is, this is a big statement. And it's got some interesting imagery here, um, this idea of living sacrifices and offering that, and you know what does that even mean? And so it requires a little bit backstory, and so I'm going to do uh, just a little flyover of the first part of um, the book of Romans, where this is taken from, to, to give us some understanding of the meaning of this verse. But Paul says, therefore, I urge you brothers, whenever the Bible says therefore, it's, it's indicating, uh, especially in Paul's letters, that there's, there's some practical implication from everything that was said before. And so it's important you want to know what he said before. So therefore what? Uh, and so in a lot of Paul's letters, he wrote Romans, he wrote other parts of the New Testament. There's typically a flow from knowing the truth to living the truth. That, that Paul is trying to help us in the way that he writes to, to first connect these two dots. The dot one is here's what the truth says. Dot two is this is what it means. Like This is the practical implication of it. And so... We're ju- this is the practical implication, but we're going to look at the first 11 chapters of Romans. Um, actually, we're just going to briefly touch on a few verses, but Paul covered some major truths about God in the first part of Romans. He covered some major truths about who we are and our condition before God, and, and we get a lot of our foundational principles and theology from, from this important book. And one of the major points that Paul makes is that uh, it, the law... Isn't, it doesn't do what we, we thought it does. And, and so if you've read Romans, you may have come across this phrase, the law. And so he talks about the law. And, and what that's referring to, in part, is the Ten Commandments. The thing, you know, things you should and shouldn't do. It also refers to the sacrificial system that the ancient Israelites needed to perform, where they would kill an animal to, to restitute for their sins. And there's some other regulations and aspects that went into the law. But basically, when Paul is saying, you know, he's talking about the law, it, it's, the, it's this idea of what we're supposed to do. 
It's, it's how, you know, we're supposed to respond to each other, how we're supposed to respond to God. And we tend to think of God's commandments, those do's and don'ts, as a ladder to get, to, to climb to heaven. That if we just, if we do all the right things, we kind of get things in order, and, and, well, maybe we'll do things wrong sometime, but we'll make up for it next time by doing really good and going extra over the mile. And we think we can just kind of climb our way to heaven or climb our way into having a right standing with God. And we have this idea in mind. In fact, you know, if you imagine you get to the end of your life, you cross over into eternity and you're standing at the gates of heaven and God says, so why should I let you into heaven? And, and immediately, some, you know, our minds are, 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 we're tempted to think, well, the reason I should be let in here is because I'm essentially a, a pretty good person. I've really tried to do what's right. And I mean, I haven't done things perfectly, but I, I try to, to give my money to the right things. And I try to help people out. And, and we have this idea, you know, if we just kind of keep things in order and we do what's right, it, it'll work out. But Paul shows us the reality from God's viewpoint and, and really the purpose for the law. And, and so first Paul gives us a dose of reality that we're all guilty before God. Look at Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That we're, we're basically, we're, we, we've already lost it before we've even started. We're, we're already in such wrong standing with God that we, we can't do all those right things. We can't climb the ladder. We've already fallen short. And, and since we've been made by God, it's right that we do our, what our maker wants. And, you know, just like uh, some sort of invention, uh, if it's working properly and it's, it's going well, then it brings glory to the maker. For example, Thomas Edison created the light bulb. And so we know that and we give credit to him in the history books. In fact, we even, we even still write checks to SoCal Edison because, you know, he, his name is there. He's getting the glory from it, even, you know, so many years after it. Uh, but however, people have decided to go their own way. And, and we don't live by God's design. We've been designed and, and created in a certain way, and, and we, we react to that. We, we don't go that way. And this takes away from God's glory. It takes away from what he deserves as we fall short. And as you continue reading in Romans, you learn that the law, it was never a ladder. It was never designed for us to get to heaven. The law is actually more like an x-ray that reveals just how far we fall short. Romans 7.7 7 says, If it had not been for the law... I would not have known sin. Paul's saying, if it weren't for those rules and regulations, if they weren't spelled out, then I wouldn't even know how far I'm falling short, even though it's happening. And so, we discover our need. Through the law, we discover our need for salvation. Through the, through the commandments and through the Old Testament and through what's everything that we, God has instructed, we realize, I am in trouble. I need help. I can't do this on my own. And amazingly, God has made a way through Jesus Christ. And so even though we've sinned, even though we fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.24, it says, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so that was, that was kind of a flyover of the first part of Romans. I just wanted to give that backstory because that's what we're looking at. And so when we finally get, this is, this is the truth that we're, we're, we're focused on. When we finally come back to Romans 12.1, this is the big turning point in the book. And it says, therefore... I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, you know, therefore, in light of everything I just said, that, you're, that you've sinned, but there, God has made a way and, and that we can get right with God. Because of all of that, here's what you do. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Living sacrifices are in contrast to dead ones. So, 
the Hebrews were commanded to kill animals for their sin. If, if they did something wrong, if they, if they lied or if they stole something, or uh, you know, if they killed somebody, or if there was some sort of way where they broke the commandments and broke the rules, they, something had to pay for that sin. And so they would need to kill an animal. And not just any animal. It had to be the best one that they had. Being an agricultural society, they, they had a lot of livestock and that was their way for, for gaining wealth and prospering and, and taking care of themselves. And so their livestock was a very critical part of their, their livelihood. And so they couldn't pick, you know, you know, the weak little animal that wasn't going to sell for very much or provide very much meat. They had to pick the, the best, the strongest, you know, the best piece of what they had and sacrifice that. That was the rule. That was the command. And so they would relinquish control of that animal. And so the, the, the parallel for us as Christ followers today we're called to give the very best part of our lives to God. Not the leftovers, not the weaklings. You know, we don't, we don't put off serving God until our schedule opens up more and, or until we get into retirement and we have all this time. We live for God right now. Like, like the dead uh, sacrifices that the Hebrews would make were the choice animals. We give the Lord the best of our time. We give the Lord the best of our energy and our thought and what we're able to give to Him is, is intended to be the best. We will lay all of our resources at God's disposal for his pleasure. And so a big part of this is coming to church on Sunday mornings. Like, like I said, I'm giving you some background and we're going to zero it in here in a minute. But we have a worship service on Sunday mornings. And in the Old English, the word worship, it means worthiness or acknowledgement of worth. And so when we come to worship, what we're doing is we're acknowledging God's worth. We're saying, God, you are so worthy of, of our, our attention of our time, just the fact that he's, he saved us. He went all the way. He, he created us, first of all. But then he went the distance to, to, to pay for our sins himself. And so he is so worthy. And we respond that way on Sunday morning. So we gather every day on Sunday. But then this is, just, this is the whole idea. It's a reminder. It's not just about Sunday. This is an everyday. Actually, it's not even everyday. It's a moment-by-moment moment thing that we do, living, uh, being a living sacrifice for him. And what this means, here's a practical implication. What this means, that, uh, this idea of being a living sacrifice, is that when my desires clash with God's desires, I choose to surrender to God's ways. And I do things His way, and I, I do things according to His will. And so an example of this would be, you know, I desire to stay in bed and get some extra sleep, but God's desire is for me to spend some focused time with Him. One of my desires is just to vent and get angry and be insulting when, I, when I'm frustrated and offended. But God's desire is for me to choose humility and, con- and use self-control and consider others better than myself. One of my desires is just to spend my money and get some cool stuff and go on fun trips. But God's desire is to also for me to, to invest in other people and be generous. One of my desires, another one, is that when I'm tired, sometimes I just want to give up and go to bed early and, and give up early. But God's desire is for me to endure and persist and finish my work until it's done. And so when we arrive at these intersections, because that's what, that's what it is. We have these intersections where, where no, we know what God wants, and then, but my desires are different, and, and my desires are pulling me in the other direction. We're, we're a living sacrifice when we surrender and we do what God wants. And, and we, can, we can go along some, some distance in life. Maybe our desires line up with God's desires for part of the time. But we just keep hitting these intersections. We just keep hitting these times where, where they're not matching. And we've got to choose my way or his way. And amazingly, God uses us to accomplish his purposes when we do this. And, and we worship him. For example, when you help someone move, you, you give up some of your precious time on the weekend, to, to, on a Saturday, to help someone move. That's worshiping the Lord. That's worshiping God. 
or when you serve the church by coming early. We got some people here at 7.30, a whole crew of them, and it was already hot. And they're serving. And, and when we tear down, we load up the trailer. It's going to be even hotter. I know it. And uh, we have people coming to events to help. We have people helping inside the building with our kids. All of that serving is a way to worship God. Whenever you give back your money to the Lord, that's also another way to worship Him. Anything we do, that is what God wants us to do, is a way to worship Him, is a way for us to be a living sacrifice moment by moment. And so all of this brings us back to this, this key idea that Sundays are an important reminder that our entire life belongs to God. We have this continual weekly reminder. You know, we, we just keep coming back here on Sunday. And Sundays just kind of have a way of just bumping us back on track. When I was driving up to Chico, uh, you know, there's, there's some hours in the car and there's some time for me to think. And we we're on the 99. And I was driving along and I was thinking, I asked my, my daughter, Liana, I said, Liana, do you know what a rumble strip is? And she's like, no. I was like, okay, watch this. So I was driving, I was like, <laughs> I was like, did you feel that? She's like, yeah, do it again. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I did it a bunch of times. I went on the, on the strips and it was fun. And I said, rumble strips are, are important because if you're falling asleep or if it's really dark and you can't see the road, the rumble strips let you know you're not where you're supposed to be. You need to get back into the middle of the road. And for me, Sunday mornings has been that. It's, it's, it's as, as my life is going on, I'm going through the week, and then I'm getting focused on myself and my desires and what I'm trying to accomplish. I come back here on Sundays, and then I get jolted into place, and I realize my life is not about me. It's not about my desires. My life belongs to God. And so we have this bumping back into place from Sundays. And so there's these four core ways that, we, that remind us of this truth and, and four reasons that we gather each week. And, uh, and so there's... Our, our church service is typically about one hour long, and, and that hour is compl- comprised of singing. There's some time given to the, the Bible, and the, you know, preaching the Word. There's time for offering, and then there's also time for serving. And, and the serving usually occurs much before and, and much after the, the hour and that just get the place ready and, and to make things work. And uh, when I uh, first came to OCC, my very first church service... Uh, it was not here. It was not in this building. I actually walked into someone's house. I went into a living room, and there were about 12 adults sitting in a circle on kitchen chairs, and that was the church service because it was the OCC had just barely uh, gotten planted in Riverside. They're they're having some preview services to get ready to launch a grand opening, and I, you know, heard this rumor about this church starting, and and we were kind of excited to check it out and see what it was all about, and we loved it. It's, you know, my wife and I when we first went in. Uh, we just felt immediately included and, and accepted by the people and we were just excited to see what God was doing and, and to see what it has become now is incredible to see. But even when it was in that different form, it was a totally different form, it still had these four key elements. There was still singing. It was one guy with a guitar and there was the message. Someone preached the Bible and there was giving and there was also serving. People uh, working together to, to make that go. Even when I went to Chico Community Church last week, there were these four core elements. I could see these on display in effect. And so uh, there, there's these different aspects. And, and one thing we're going to focus on right now for just a couple minutes is the, this first core element of singing. And a good portion of our time uh, in this hour that we have in a Sunday morning service is for songs and for singing praise together. 
And depending on your background, you uh, I don't know how you feel about singing in a group of people. I don't know, it may come naturally to you. I mean, if you grew up in church, you've probably been singing in a group, every, you know, once a week since childhood. And, you, you know, you just come up here and it, it's just what you do. It feels natural. If going to church hasn't really been a long-term habit, it's, it's sort of new to you, then it may feel fairly unusual to be in a group like that. You know, someone once called it uh, karaoke. Because you got the words up on the screen and everyone's singing. There's no, like, dot bouncing along, but, you know, you get the idea. You know, maybe it doesn't feel normal. There's, it takes some getting used to. And so maybe depending on your wiring, the, your personality and what your interests are, maybe you would prefer we'd have some more singing and maybe cut down on the talking a little bit or maybe the opposite. Maybe you, you're like, okay, we can, that's enough songs, let's have some more talking. And, but the thing is we need both. And both of those aspects of, of the worship service are, are very important. But singing gets a lot of attention in our culture. And, and music and song is powerful. It communicates a lot. And we tend to really enjoy great singing. You might... Love going to a great concert. Here's a picture of a, a, a fun-looking concert. We spend a lot of money to go to performances, and, and we buy music. Uh, nobody really buys albums anymore. I think you just buy individual songs, or you just get stuff off of YouTube. But well, we, we get focused on these, these uh, uh, musical uh, efforts. And there's also, you can consider this boom of singing competition shows. I don't know if you've been following any. I don't know if you recognize this guy. Let's see if you know who this is. Who's that? Simon, yeah, we know him because these shows are so popular. You know, he's been on a few, but there's, there's American Idol, The Voice, The Sing-Off. I researched, I found 150 singing competition shows worldwide. And so it's popular. And, and I think the reason is because singing and music is, is such a unique way to express thought and emotion. And so we, the thing though is we don't typically, we're not in a situation often where we sing together with a large group of people. There, is, uh, there are a few exceptions. Here's one. What's this? The National Anthem. Yeah. So this is... The interesting thing about the National Anthem is that, you know, you get in there, you're at a sporting event, everyone stands up, everyone knows the lyrics, you don't even need them displayed, and everyone's singing loud, and sometimes they got fireworks going, and you're getting all patriotic and saying America and just loving everything. You get this, like, sense of allegiance to the USA. And uh, you just love it. And interesting thing about that is that at church, when we sing, there's a similar goal before God, that we want to communicate our loyalty to Him. We want to communicate our allegiance to God when we sing together. And so that's why the Bible expresses the importance of singing songs to the Lord. And it has this critical purpose, and it contrasts with all the other times that we sing. It's really a a set-apart, unique thing that we do. And so singing is a central element in our Sunday gatherings, and that's by design. That's intentional. Look at how it's described in this passage in Colossians 3.16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And, and look at these different categories here. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Those are different categories of, of songs that we sing, even today, with thankfulness in your hearts towards God. And so this passage, it, it paints a picture of the way we should interact in the church body. On a Sunday morning, what's the tone of our interaction? How, how are we relating to one another? I mean, first off, the word of Christ dwells in you richly through teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And that's actually a, a significant statement we'll be looking at next week in the message. But then you see this command. We're com- it's amazing. We're commanded to sing. And singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so, you know, what is the reason that singing gets this much attention why does it why is it such a big deal we sing it 
uh, praise to the Lord every Sunday for a few reasons. One is it reminds us of God's truth. We sing praise every Sunday because it reminds us of God's truth. Uh, So what we say on Sunday mornings through song, it should match up with God's truth. It it shouldn't be divergent from what the Bible says. It should really line up. In fact, every element of Sunday, you know, not just the singing, but all the other pieces, it should, uh, they they revolve around God's truth and they're filled with it. And so that's why we, you know, we always make sure that the lyrics are up on the screen because they they either are scripture, like, you know, the, the category Psalms, those are often songs that are, are directly taken out of the Bible word for word, or there's different categories. And so, but all of them are embedded with God's truth. And so and we want to think about that as we're, as we're singing them. That's why we put the lyrics up. That's why our worship leader carefully selects particular songs each week that correspond with the message for the day. They're not haphazardly chosen. They're, they're very specific. Even the songs today were specifically chosen to correspond with this as we reflect on God's truth. And so I'm very grateful. Our, our worship team does a really excellent job preparing. There's, there's some work involved outside of Sunday mornings, that, and they do a really good job. Uh, and so uh, this is one reason that we sing on Sunday. The second one is that it expresses our praise and our gratitude to God. We sing on Sunday because we can express our gratitude to God. Uh, since Jesus has paid the penalty, that huge foundational concept that we, we talked about in Romans, we owed this uh, unpayable debt. And, and Jesus paid for it. We're instructed to do this. Uh, in Hebrews 13:15, it, it tells us, "Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Let, let us take pains to do that. Let us really put effort into praising God. That is the fruit of lips that can that acknowledge His name. And so, this kind of singing, it, it doesn't only come from the lips. It actually comes from our heart. It, it wells up inside as we think about." And we respond to what Jesus has done. Look at David's response. There was a time when King Saul had surrounded David with his, his men and they were ready to take him out. And uh, in, in Psalm fifty nine sixteen, David's in trouble, but he says, But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of distress. You know, David deals with this life-threatening situation. Like people are ready to kill him. They're ready to take him out. And what he does is he responds with praise. He responds with thanksgiving. He reminds himself in song. He kind of fills his mind with the truth of, of God through song. And he reminds him of God's strength, he, uh, of his constant love. He's singing about his protection, his help in time of need. It's like when I read this, I'm thinking maybe David starts singing and he doesn't even know what to praise God for. There's just so many things that come to mind that he can respond to the Lord. And sometimes singing a song just expresses our praise and our gratitude like nothing else can. I mean, we can, we can talk about it, but sometimes when you sing it, you're using your voice, certainly, but your, your emotion is involved. You've got your thoughts are engaging with this truth, and you're using your energy to express gratitude to the Lord. And so it, it, it communicates and expresses gratitude like nothing else. And then lastly, we sing, also sing every Sunday morning because it increases our faith. There is certainly power in singing by yourself, to the Lord, but there is incredible power in singing together. When, when we sing together like we do here on Sunday mornings, there is a powerful message that we deliver to one another. And that message is, God is real. It's that God is worthy of our focus. He's worthy of carving out this time to, to give our allegiance to Him. And that you're not crazy <laughs> to trust the Lord. You're not crazy to, to follow God. Because look at all these people singing the song together. Look at all these people who have placed their faith in Him and are singing, you're using their voices. And let their faith in God lift up your faith. This only occurs as you sing. 
and as you make music in your heart to the Lord. And, and if you don't open your mouth, if you don't open your heart to, to respond to him, then your voice will be missing from the group that's, that's praising him. And it's one interesting idea along these lines. It's been said that a successful Christian life involves attention to three books. God's book, which is the Bible, the pocket book, you know, your wallet, and then the hymn book. And this is interesting. I mean, you can see, you know, God's book, of course, and then your wallet, you know, is reflective of where your heart is. But even the hymn book is, is a critical part of a successful Christian life, I believe, because if you are to omit spiritual singing altogether from your life, then it's, it's really to rob ourselves from spiritual enrichment. And so we spent some time talking about singing and the place that it has. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to sing a, a few more songs uh, in worship in response to the message. But just right now, think about your coming week. Think about what's ahead. I don't know if you work or if you have a job or, or what your major responsibilities are during the week. You can think about some of the challenges you might be facing, some of the activities you might be going to or events that you may have planned. Think about any bills that need to be paid or any relationships you'll be interacting with on the job or in your family. And then look at the impact from singing that we just discussed. There's our minds are full of God's truth, that our hearts are, are full of gratitude to him. Our commitment to the Lord is renewed and that our faith is increased. And, and I think, you know, would these things not be a help to us as we face the week ahead? And, and personally, I've been so grateful for this weekly gathering. I get so much joy from being from this, you know, being together with this particular group of people. When I was gone last week, you know, you, know, you kind of, you feel the distance because it feels like it's been a while. If you, if you miss two Sundays in a row, it really feels like a long time since you've seen people here. And, uh, but I love being here on Sunday mornings to, to share this time with these people, to uh, focus our attention on God as a group, to get encouragement from one another, even just to work alongside other men and women that, that are investing in the ministry and investing in the kingdom of God. And it made me think, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking, you know, how different would my life be if there was no Sunday mornings church, you know? I know that I would miss out on so much. I know that I'd have these big gaps in my understanding of truth. I'd have these, you know, skewed perspectives, and my relationships, I'm sure, would be tweaked, and my ability to serve and be a part of what God's doing would be severely limited. Overall, I think my walk with God would be a fraction of the depth without Sunday mornings. And so as you walk out, as you drive home, and as you face the week ahead, uh, it, it's really our hope that you've been built up by coming here. Not just today, but just the, the overall habit and pattern of coming and focus, focusing on God on Sundays. And, and we hope that in the days ahead that you'll recall what you've learned here in, in this room or, or, or with this group and that God returns to your mind the things that have challenged you and the things that have shaped you. And so as we're spurred forward from Sunday mornings, we can be that living sacrifice. And then we can, when we hit those intersections where our desires clash with God's desires, we can make conscious, moment-by-moment moment decisions to walk with God in the week ahead. So as we wrap up, you may consider taking a next step from this message. There's, at the bottom of your listening guide, there's a few options you might consider. One next step might be to memorize Romans 12.1. That's that core idea that we discussed Another idea would be to resolve, you know, say, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to choose to be a living sacrifice uh, in, in the week ahead, moment by moment. I want to make a decision and a commitment to do that. Or, or you just to say, I'm going to commit to express thanks to God in song this week. And so, uh, as we wrap up, would you pray with me one more time together? Father God, thank you so much for the way that you use Sundays. Thank you for, for giving us voice, giving us song. It really is a gift to be able to respond to you in that way. I pray that uh, right now and in the weeks ahead, we would worship you from the heart. 
I pray that you would make us aware of those intersections. Sometimes we're not even aware. But help us to be aware of those intersections where our desires clash with yours and that you'd give us wisdom and courage to be a living sacrifice and, and make moment-by-moment decisions to follow you. And, and Lord, I also pray, would you bring us back together again next week? In Jesus' name I pray.